Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss The Mandalorian, Gore-Tex, and SoftBank. I don't want to waste one minute. Let's get right into it. Well, Ryan, it's been a, a very long time. and <laughs> It's been so long. Needless to say, Tony, our, our big fan, Tony, our only fan, Tony, is very mad. And... <laughs> And disappointed and hurt more than anything. Uh, Tony, we've missed you more than you've missed us. I know. We've missed you so much, Tony. Um, I So I went to a Best Buy today, mm-hmm. and I ended up buying a SteelSeries keyboard. Um, this is not an endorsement, but I have to say, I started playing with this keyboard in the store. I, I do not like the way they look, but it's uh, it's called the Apex Pro, I believe is the name of it. You can adjust the actuation of the keys like via a menu. Wow. In the in the in like on the on the computer <laughs> so anyhow i'm pretty psyched about it you can also like adjust all of the lighting in a way that's really good in a really good like editor um it's just very um i'm a real cliche real walking cliche uh that I, I love that you found a way to blend two parts of your job which is technology and writing um you've managed to blend the procrastination into one object that you can constantly search for the holy grail version of yeah, instead yeah. of doing work <laughs> no it's a it's a real it's a real problem i think a lot of people are uh a lot of people are starting to recognize my my serious issue that i'm having um anyhow you know it's great i have to say i have to say also like i i uh i went into a store uh, with no intention of buying anything really and uh then i was like I also was like, oh, I think I need a new TV. I have to say, new TVs look pretty good. Those OLEDs, real wow factor. I mean, if you. I know. I bought a TV like a year and a half ago and I already regret yeah. it, which is always the yeah. thing with TVs. It's very sad. Anyhow, look, there's been a lot going on. I don't know if you know, our country is in free fall. Uh, uh, you know, our tech companies are, are destroying us from the inside out. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, and there's a new Razor flip phone. So, you know, like, I mean, let's talk. Should we talk about the rate? Can we talk about the razor? I want it so, so bad, so, and I know so is, that it's probably not a good daily device. Here's the thing. But- I mean, so as the as the listener will know, you know, we're launching a um, technology news uh, website in the near, very near future, called Input InputMag.com, and uh, and called called Joystick.com. It's spelled <laughs> with a Q. <laughs> Is Joystick? I think Joystick is out of business. I think they shut it down. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, so so you know, uh, Raymond Wong, our our senior reviews editor, went out and 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 got to play around with the new Razor. And like, I will say this: like the the I have seen people who definitely are not like tech nerds. Like the response to the folding Razor phone, which by the way, let me just explain what it is in case you for some reason don't know. But like, how? Why are you listening to this? Um, it's it's it looks just like a Razor from like 2004 except it's bigger and inside of it it has a long like basically a candy bar or regular smartphone screen that folds into a like a flip phone shape and um it looks really awesome it looks like weird because it looks exactly like the razor and kind of like strangely like i mean it's kind of not 
attractive, but it's also very attractive. It is both like not, it's not, it doesn't look like sleek and functional in the way we've come to define those terms in like the post iPhone 4 landscape. However, it is very sexy and very cool yeah. like looking. It looks like nothing else, which, and not bad. It's just different. And and different is so refreshing right, right and, now. And, and I would say... I don't know, whatever it is, it's it's like incited some feeling. It might be a mixture of I think it's a mixture of two things, actually. And maybe I'll have more to say on on this in a in a in written form. But I think that like it, it, there's two things that it's like it's making people really excited about. One is that it 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 obviously makes them nostalgic for the razor. And like the razor was like, I mean, I remember the razor was probably the first phone that I was ever like, oh my God, I have to have this. Like this is so awesome looking. It was like if if you were a Gen Z kid listening to this right now, the sidekick was cool and a lot of people liked them, but nobody had them. The razor was so cool and every single person had one. It was basically like an iPod or like the iPhone or like AirPods. Like you saw them everywhere. And if you didn't have one, you secretly coveted them, even if you should talk to them. It was so cool and different and awesome. It was like spies would use it in movies and it was something you could buy, but you still believed that a spy would. Yeah, own it one. was. I mean, it was kind of the iPhone of its of its age. I mean, it was the iPhone. Was like as close as anything ever got to being like the must-have phone, you know. And um, anyhow, it was also just like it's just good, good, interesting design. So, so I think there's two things happening. One is I think there's like this intense nostalgia that it's creating, but I also think it looks in 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 some way like a, a truly like an object from the future because because like 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 Samsung's concept of a folding phone is actually is actually like. It's sort of dumb in a way. I mean, it's not dumb exactly, but it presupposes that like it, – It's basically your first idea. If someone said you could fold your phone, you would take two iPhones and slap them together and be like, no, it's a big phone. Yeah. Like it's your I first mean, it's, idea. It's interesting, but it also like assumes that like people want a tablet and need a tablet and are excited about like going to like a tablet mode. And I actually don't think most modern phone users – I mean, you know, there's obviously a lot of iPads out there, but there aren't that many. There aren't as many as there are iPhones, you know, and people, many people who have iPhones are like, well, I have an iPhone. I don't need an iPad, you know, like a lot of people, their, their, their central communication device is the iPhone. They don't need a laptop and they don't want a, uh, an iPad. They are like a phone person. Like people are just like, that's how they live now. So I think, so I think what's interesting is that the razor actually does something that people who want that kind of phone might actually want, which is like, it makes a big phone smaller. And then when you open it, it's like the phone that you want and the phone that you like to use. And I think that's really interesting. It's not a co-opt of the Razer name. It is what the original Razer did, which it took like the Motorola's and the StarTac and all these devices that were chunky and big and funny looking and confusing and frustrating to have on you. And it made something cool and sleek that like a teenager would slip into their low rise tight jeans yeah. and you would never even know it was there. And, and that is what the, the new Razer's doing is they really, they didn't use the name just to co-opt the brand, which many times they have done they took a device that was that's big and bulky but you want everything it has to offer which is the large screen and all the features and it made it so that you could just slip it in your low-rise right. jeans and it's kind of funny and weird that there we're back here but it's also really exciting and frankly this is the one device that has gotten me like genuinely no caveats like yeah covetous since like the so, iphone yeah. so maybe? here's the so here's the problem the the guts of the razor are actually like pretty 
um, mid range, you know, because it needs. And to it's be not an iPhone. Then. I mean, let's be clear. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, it's not an iPhone. Let's so be honest. Anybody, even if it had a Snapdragon eight fifty five, I mean, it, so any anybody else, iPhone. so anybody who needs an iPhone who isn't like uh, all all about you know Android is not going to like this phone. Like, so, but it's interesting because I've seen people tweeting about it who definitely aren't like gadget nerds. You know, I've seen people like, like, like when I was, yeah. when I originally tweeted about it, people were like, oh yeah, well that's because you're a gadget nerd. And like, you know, I've seen like a lot of people who aren't gadget nerds saying like, oh my God, I want this. And I think, I mean, listen, you know, we put some pictures of it on, on, uh, on Instagram. It got like a lot of people were like liking it and talking about it. And like, you know, I've seen just an enormous amount of attention paid to it. And it's like, listen, Motorola has been kind of like a dead brand for a while. And, you know, it's hard. I mean, how many times have they changed hands, like ownership? Like they, they have truly needed a breakthrough moment since for like decades. It's hard to get people excited about anything. And so it's really interesting that people are excited about this. But I do think it's like, it's kind of perfectly in keeping with like, I don't know. Like I've been thinking a lot about – I've been playing Death Strand and I've been thinking a lot about – I've been thinking a lot about – I mean actually one of the things that we've been talking a lot about as we get ready for input is that like – is how technology extends beyond technology now. It's like it's clothing. It's food. It's 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 like you know the tools that people use to create things. It's like – and I'm not saying like, oh, technology is culture because like that was like – when we launched the Verge, we're like, you know, culture and technology are intermingling, and that that's true, and it's happened. It's like com- almost complete, I would say. But I think it's more about like the impact, like the the aesthetic and the and the functional impact of technology on other things. That's really interesting, and I think if you look at the Razor, and and, and I think this is something we're going to explore a lot at Input about like the the world around technology just not like the stuff but the stuff around it as well but like and you know this because it's like i'm talking obviously you know but i'm telling the listener who doesn't know um but but the razor looks like a phone of this moment where it is like it's almost like it's like a a, it's like a from a it's like from a tumblr that i would follow you know it's like it's like a cyberpunk tumblr phone but it's real and it's like it's kind of beautiful it's kind it of feels beautiful, more ugly, like an idea. Way, you know, it's like or ugly, beautiful, whatever the fuck we're calling it. Um, it's like it's like it looks like utilitarian in an interesting way. You know, it's like it isn't. It actually is like oh, you're like oh, I understand why it folds. Like it, what it does explains its purpose, which I think is interesting. You know, like it's not like it, it's an iPhone's like this. Like when you think of a slab of glass, you're like it's this obscure thing that like anything could be happening on that glass, anything and everything. This is like. The device itself does what all the other slabs of glass do ostensibly or presumably, but it like puts itself away and it like lets you know that it can do that in a very visible and obvious manner. And that's like really interesting because most phones don't do that. They don't like attempt to make themselves more convenient. Anyhow, these are just some random thoughts I've had about the phone. So I think it's interesting to see like the aesthetics of it, which are so not they, – they don't – they aren't like the clean lines of the iPhone. They're actually like, quite angular and quite like almost 90s, like kind of like – they're kind of 90s. It's kind of 90s looking. And of course, the Razer, you know, of course, is like early 2000s, so not totally surprising. But it's just interesting, and I feel it's very reflective of this of this moment. Yes, feels very pre-9-11. Um, so anyhow, so that's, you know, the razor I'm excited about, I'm interested in it. I want it. 
I, I, I do. I, I mean, if it doesn't totally suck, it is one of those things that I would consider. Like, is this enough to make me want to switch back to Android? Um, I think it just has to be good enough because the a design idea is there, and I'm willing to make some like, you know, browser speed slight compromises. I mean, the incremental updates that we've seen from operating systems are great, but like, as long as it runs Android 10 and it does basically it basically does everything that I need it to do with relative snappiness. It's a real selling factor to put something in my pocket that doesn't feel like I'm wearing armor all the time. And like I just went on vacation and our entire trip, I was conscious of the fact that my giant wallet and giant phone were like keeping me from walking around as much, which is such a ridiculous thing. Or you'd have to like carry a bag on your day trip. And like, it's just, we have so much stuff. Like AirPods now have their own case and you have to have your keys and you have to have a ba- an extendable battery pack because unless like you decide to not take pictures on your phone, in which case you have to carry a camera, like it's just so much shit to just do things now that like, if I had that phone that was half the size I would consider that like a real gain. So I don't know. I'll see when it comes out, but I'm excited that they're trying something new and hopefully it's successful and hopefully Apple Apple will, you know, have to change up their formula a little bit. So anyway. I think I've said everything I need to say about the Razor right now. Um, well, other things going on. Um, while I was gone, Disney Plus launched and I've used it a little bit, but I don't have as much experience with it as I'm sure you do um, at this point. What is, well, what they've done some really it? dumb things. I mean, it's kind of crazy. First off, they put The Simpsons in 16.9. They literally cropped all of the early episodes of The Simpsons, which is one that I just find just totally perplexing. Like, like what is the – what was the desire? What was the need here? It's like it's unclear to me, like, why they would do that, except, I mean, people are dumb, and they're like, why isn't this filling my screen? And, like, they would have to explain it to people. But, like, on the flip side – on the flip side, they also they also – well, they also because they also did this thing where they put warnings on movies, and they're like, "This, you know, this film has like outdated cultural depictions, like it's racist, basically." Um, so what's interesting is like if they were worried about people going like, "Why doesn't this film my screen?" Because people don't know what like sixteen uh, don't know what like four three is. Like, why not have a, th- a warning on The Simpsons, which is like, "Oh, uh, hey, this was made at a time when like widescreen didn't exist," and so it won't fill the entire screen or whatever. So it's like, people are really mad about that. They're mad about the, I mean, I guess Republicans are mad about the warnings because like they hate when you point out racism. Like I like how Republicans, like people on Fox news are talking about, I like how it's like, is it, isn't it okay to be like, yeah, this was kind of racist. Like, can you not agree? Like, I know all Republicans are horrible, but like, can you not agree that some old things were actually racist? And it's like, okay to be like, yeah, these were kind of racist. Just a heads up. Like, how is it you're mad about? How can you be mad about that? It's such a weird thing to get. They're just like, it's such a, it's just such a weird, it's just an odd thing to get mad about. You know what I mean? Like, because like, they're just racist and they're just pretending to be mad about it. They're just racist. No, but that's different. No, 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 that's different. I get it. They're like disrespecting the flag or whatever. I mean, that's, you know. But the thing is, but wait, but wait, that bothers them. But then there are also the people who fly Confederate flags, which how is that not disrespectful? I know. I don't want to get into and a they're political the same people thing. But who, it, what I'm saying is they're just racism, I, racists who bend their argument in every no, direction. No, I know. I agree, but I'm just saying. But like, I'm I don't just, care about well, their I'm thought. just saying that they were mad. And I think it's strange and funny that they're mad about something that seems like extremely harmless, which is like, hey, by the way, like. Um, 
like this movie's really rude about Asian people, you know, like because they are. Um, at any rate, so so whatever. I mean, the Republicans, I like their consistency where they're just like, we just have to believe in all of the worst stuff. Sorry, that's our that's kind of our thing. OK, so then people are mad about that. Then um, I mean, honestly, the selection of stuff on it is seems like completely underwhelming. I have no idea why I subscribed to it. I guess it was to watch the first episode of The Mandalorian, which kind of has like, in my opinion, like the effects are sort of bad. Like the first few scenes, I was like, this looks fake. Like this looks really kind of cheesy to me. Um, I will I say, I kind of liked it for that reason. I liked it for that reason because it's more seventy. Yeah, maybe. I, I enjoyed the twist. I also took some time out of my di- my day to. Um, oh, and then they like they added some new thing with the Han the Han Solo Greedo scene. Like now, like Greedo yells something oh, that yeah. he didn't yell before. McCluskey. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's like back. <laughs> I'm not like I'm not following it close enough to really know if that's like <laughs> new or it's old and they put it back in or whatever. But also, I don't. Give it's a not. Fuck. It's just so I random. And I dumb. actually looked at. I actually watched a comparison of like the new Star Wars stuff. Like somebody had done, and this is from a long time ago when they when George Lucas, you know, released his like final like Lucas fied versions of them. And I have to say, like, it's really bad and dumb. It's really bad and dumb. Like. I get it if like there's like a string in the scene, like holding up a ship and you're like, we, you know, I really didn't want that string to be visible, but like, just let it be the thing. Just move on. I honestly, I have to recommend to people buy Disney plus. Like I got three years for 70 bucks or whatever. It's fine. You'll feel like it's legal and then go torment torrent or buy like the regular movies. So pay for your thing and then go torrent Harmony's specialized edition, which is the version of Star Wars with everything removed that was with the closest you can get digitally to the recreation of the original 1977 film and and just like watch that the torrent it, burn it to a disc, put it on a hard drive and watch that. There's no reason for anyone to watch these shitty fucking CGI disasters. I I I, I, I saw somewhere somebody was like um they're like, oh, like, you know, the, all these new streaming services uh, have, like, created an uptick in, in BitTorrenting. And uh, which I think is, like, very fair. Like, there is, like, one thing from all these things I want to watch. Like, I got I also got Apple TV, started watching their shows. I mean, the morning show is, like, bad, but it's good. It's, like, not good, but it's, it's very high watch- camp. It's, it's, like, very watchable. <laughs> Here's the way best way I can describe it. I'm used to watching... I don't watch like any of the network shows. Like I know a lot of people are like Grey's Anatomy is great. Like I, to me, the morning show feels like it has like the watchability of a, of a Grey's Anatomy. Like it's not exactly good, but it's like a solid hour of, I will watch these people do their like whatever little soap opera. Um, yeah. Like here's the thing you want to see Reese Witherspoon give a feminist rant and like actually have some insightful questions for, uh, a sexual assault survivor. Cool. That's in there. You want to watch a journalist give out their big scoop and then turn to the camera with their hair whipping and say extra, extra. Yeah. Read I all mean, about it or whatever. <laughs> like you're also going to get that. It's a mess. I mean, it's and they, in the, the whole like me too stuff they do in it, like some of it's actually pretty smart and some of it's actually like cringily, cringingly like dumb and and sort of like both sidesy you know which is like actually an interesting thing to explore if you can do it the right way and like sometimes they get it right i mean you got to give them a little bit of credit i guess for trying but you know it's like clear that like they were going to make a show about like let's do a show about like matt lauer about no 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 no. it's clear that originally i think and this is true they were gonna make a show about like 
the infighting on like the Today Show, you know, or whatever. It's going to be like, oh, the cattiness of like morning news anchors. And it was going to be you. Like, yeah. But like then the Matt Lauer shit went down and they were like, wait a second. Now there's a plot um, like a real one. And I think that they've done like a pretty good job with exploring that to some extent. But it's like they have to couch like reality in like a very watchable show, you know, which is which is problematic for dealing with like the reality the reality of what Matt Lauer was doing you know here's here's like the you thing. can't make you can't make, Steve Carell, you, you can't make Steve Carell like sympathetic as we like reveal that he's actually horrible because then it like you're asking the viewer to be like to go like well I mean he's not all bad and it's like that's true but that's I not, mean but that's really but, not like that's really but not isn't like, that breaking bad isn't that Mad Men isn't no, that Dexter no. isn't I mean, that Barry I mean, Mad Men's a little different because like Mad Men is like it's very obvious that that Don Draper is like a sexual predator um and like he's not exactly a hero like I mean Don Draper is like kind of a sad character you know like he's sort of pathetic and well I kind of find Steve Carell's character to be very well pathetic. Steve Carell's character is pathetic I guess it's I guess it's similar in that like there maybe because he's not the main character it 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 reads as if we're giving sympathy to someone but not fully exploring them right because we're busy exploring Reese Witherspoon and John Aniston whereas on The Sopranos it was really exploring Tony R- and we knew that Tony was the guy we were breaking down right like and I feel like the, but I feel like the opening is there for like that character to have a like realization and like a mea culpa. And like some kind of like redemption, which is fine, which is possible. Like they haven't really revealed the extent to how bad the character is. Anyhow, listen, I guess the fact that we're having this much of a conversation about it maybe suggests that it's better than everybody says it is. But I don't think it's very good. It belies Apple's experience uh, experience making. Sorry, one more time. It belies Apple's lack of experience making content. Um, and I think they hired some executives that were behind some good things and some creatives that were behind some good things and some stars. They definitely have a lot of stars and they have the money to throw at making a prestige show. But that's not everything that goes into making a show. And it's like 80% there. But that last 20% is so bad that it's in, a, in the age of so much TV, so polished, HBO pumping it out. Like, the Golden Compass or uh, His Dark Materials, uh, uh, look at Watchmen. These shows are so lush and good. And if you can't get to 100% or even 95%, you get a little washed out. And I, I think also my issue with Apple Plus and Disney Plus, which I think we're circling towards, is I think these platforms don't do anything with the fact that they're natively digital they disney putting a warning in front of lady in the tramp uh saying that like these had this has asian stereotypes and it's outdated that's i guess that is them admitting that that's a problem that like they they know that there was racist depictions and you should probably give some context but the fact that they don't release song of the south and yet they still have splash mountain which is a song of the south themed ride and they still sell all those characters as plushes in the disney parks and whatever there's a conflict there there's also a conflict with the fact that they put this context label up but they don't actually make it contextualized they say like this is racist and like kids around the world just look away like the VHS FBI warning of my childhood and then they watch the movie 
What they should, they could do is lock the content behind a three-minute explanation of the context of the time and the depictions by Asian people explaining why it was problematic, and then say, but I hope you find something to enjoy within the this, this film of its time. Uh, for more information, you can click this box or tap this box, or at the end of the movie, we'll have more information about what the Asian community felt and was affected by our production of this film. And they didn't do any of that. They just threw up a warning, which is the laziest way to do it. They didn't put The Simpsons in 4 by 3 and then you could hit a button if you wanted it to fill your screen. They didn't do that. They didn't create content that's natively digital. That is an experience you can only get in Disney+. Plus. They created shows which could air on ABC or on, you know, FX or whatever other networks they own. They didn't create an interface or an algorithm that really finds what you want to watch and make sure it's seamless for you to watch it. They just cloned Netflix in this right. janky way and threw it on some servers and called it a day. And Apple's version is basically the same. They made The Morning Show, which is a show that, yeah. like you've identified, could have aired in 2000. Yeah. Three. There's nothing revolutionary there. The Me I mean, Too stuff is a little bit, but none of it's natively digital. So all of this for the price that we're paying feels exploitative because we had Netflix 10 years ago. So I don't know what they're doing besides cloning. People are just like, hey, I don't want to be on your platform and I can be on my own platform. Or like Apple's like, why should we seed all of like the subscription stuff to those guys, right? Like basically is what you're saying. I mean, it's like, and so and so now we're getting all these shows that are like, I mean, it's like we don't need that much. Like, yeah. They're like half baked. I mean, I think this is true of HBO too. I think HBO's qual the quality of the shows that they choose to make has gone dramatically downhill because they're like in this scramble now where everybody's got to do everything, you know? And like I mean, HBO Max is not from the HBO team. That's a bunch of former TNT executives who took the name and are pumping out shows right. using the branding. Yeah. And that should well, tell you yeah, everything think, you kind of need to know about HBO Max. I mean, we're obviously gonna have we're obviously gonna have breakouts, but I still think we're in a, we're in a, I mean, you can only make, there's only so much that's going to be great. I mean, honestly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it does feel like a lot of these shows, like I'll give you an example. I mean, I was going to say what is not good. Like we watched, I've watched two, maybe two and a half episodes of Dickinson, which is, Oh yeah. Let me think of the best way. Uh, like the it's premise like, of the show um, is Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette went to Coachella. Mm -hmm it's like Dickinson, Emily Dickinson fucks. Like, I'm not sure what the, it's like Emily Dickinson is a manic pixie dream girl. Like that's, it's like something like that. Like is like a gay manic pixie dream girl or something. It's like, you know, but still like, it's just like, so here's the thing that's like really annoying about that show. Besides the fact that like people are like totally and doing like, like all the music is rap and it's just like, which is fine, but it's like, I get it. Like, it's like Dickinson, but like you can get teens into it. Is that the idea? It's like teens will be into this version of Dickinson, of, of, yeah, of Emily Dickinson. It's, like it's basically like what if Emily Dickinson was, and we told her story, but it was a CW show. And what if it. at the time, totally hip hop and totally no, no, no. It's great. That's a great setup. What if we told Emily Dickinson's story, but we like put it in some modern context or whatever, right? But here's the problem: it's not fucking Emily Dickinson's story. When Emily Dickinson no, wrote the poems that they show her writing in that, she was like a 30-year-old grown-ass woman. She was not – she also – her parents like didn't like do any of the things that they show them doing in the, in the, in the show. Like Emily – there's this episode where Emily Dickinson's like sneaks into school because like she wasn't allowed to go. It's like Emily Dickinson went to school. Like she like wasn't forbidden from like going and taking like – like going to school. Like – 
it, it's it's a kind of ridiculous setup where it's like somebody was like, what if Emily Dickinson, but like modern context? And they were like, I love that. And they're like, and what if um, instead of her writing the poems when she was like an adult, she was a teen. And they're like, yeah, that sounds good. And they're like, and what if like she wasn't allowed to go to school, even though she actually was an actual in, in reality? And they're like, mm, uh, OK, this, is this Emily Dickinson story? Like, what if her father was really mean and abusive and her mother was really sad? And they're like, oh, and you're like, OK, that's not actually the story. It's like, what's the story? You had an idea for a teen character and you thought like if you – It's an adaptation of a real world person in the style of a graphic novel character. But the problem is is Emily Dickinson isn't a graphic novel character. She was a real world person who actually was queer and had real life struggles with depression and suicide. And like it is a real – like that's a real person story. And when you start taking that I'm just level saying, of license yeah. – I just like – I just – it's just like I get your idea but like you can't do none of it. You can't like – you can't like have like like recreate the Emily Dickinson character, but like make her funky, and then also be like all of the facts about her life were going to change, and then call her Emily Dickinson. You know, it's like, I mean, I get it; it's artistic license, but I think they like need to have their license revoked. You know what I mean? Boom. <laughs> Anyhow, that show's really fucking bad, and like I admire all the people who are in it. There's some great acting and stuff, but like it's like kind of cringeworthy, like to watch it and frustrating i'm not saying it has to be like 100 medically accurate but like it has to be somewhat of emily dickinson's story anyhow so yeah i do think this is sort of this part of this problem of like everybody just wants to be in this game and they don't care like how they get there well in other news um do you want to talk about the surface pro x your biggest disappointment of 2019 <laughs> Uh, I was just, as I said, I was just in Best Buy. I was actually looking at the Service Pro X and then in the Service Pro 7 next to each other. Yeah, I mean, a Service Pro X is like, I reviewed it. Um, Raymond reviewed the um, Service Pro 7. And like, basically, like the Service Pro X is an awesome piece of hardware. Super thin. It's like, just like compact. The keyboard now has like a slot for the pen to sit inside of. It's like a new pen. It's like really fucking cool. It's just like, doesn't really run the real version of Windows. It runs Windows RT, which is like an ARM version that doesn't like use regular Windows software. And it's slow as hell. It's like really sluggish and it's not fun to use. And like my honestly, my Surface Pro 4 like actually runs better than the Surface Pro X. And the Surface Pro 4 came out like, I mean, it's like three generations old. So yeah, it's just kind of sad. I mean, I admire what Microsoft is doing. I think I really, I actually think I might get a new Surface Pro 7, um, even though Ray didn't love it that much. Like it is an upgrade, but like I I really am disappointed they couldn't get like the better form factor with like better performance and like true Windows. And I say this as a person who's previously truly hated Windows. Like I kind of like it now and like I'm into it. And like, honestly, I could see myself like using the Surface Pro X full time if it wasn't so miserably uh, slow and uh, incompatible with my favorite software. Yeah. That's my entire thought. It just seems thing. to me like everybody's rushing to create a replacement for the laptop when like I'm still using my laptop and it's great. And like my iPad's fine to watch TV yeah. shows. Like that's fine. I don't really need it, but I have it. I use it to draw or whatever. My phone's great. Um, My Mac OS laptop and my Windows uh, desktop are great. Like everyone's rushing to make another Windows, like a different Windows that runs on like ARM processors or whatever. And like everyone's rushing to turn iOS into like a full real OS and everyone wants. And I don't like we already kind of have those things. And it feels like we're like racing to recreate the wheel. And I like 
I guess like, yes, it's great that windows now runs on other, like, you know, you know, another setup, but like, I don't understand if you're not, if you can't run Dropbox, if you can't like, if basic software that everyone has installed doesn't work, I, I just feel like Microsoft, you just, you have to go to Dropbox and give them a million dollars to make a version that works. Like it, it, we're just, you can't launch a product in 2019 that like none of the apps work. Like that was, that, that was a strategy for 10 years ago. I don't know well, why I mean, many of the, many of the apps work, but, um, but, but not many all of them. don't, not all, not like regular Dropbox. Yeah. Which is nuts. I mean, it's Dropbox, you know, kind of mm-hmm. a must have. Also, it doesn't have Photoshop. doesn't have any of the any of the Adobe suite stuff. Like, you know, it's like the pen's cool, but like, you know, Paint 3D is not like people's go-to. So it's a tough sell. So um, in other news, uh, Apple put out a laptop. Who cares? Mm, yeah, I don't. I honestly don't care. It's, it's It's very expensive. It has supposedly they went back to the old the old keyboard design, which is a great, like there should be more, there should be more conversation about how they were like, we've done it. We've fixed keyboards forever. They're like three for three years. They've just been like, I mean, three or four years. I don't know how long it's been. The people mind shitty keyboards that break. And now they're like, Oh, um, actually, sorry about that. Here's the new one. It's, it's the old keyboard. I mean, whatever, fine. That's it. We don't have to say anything else about, about it. Well, um, in other news, WeWork has imploded into itself, uh, has been bailed out by Investor SoftBank, who also is the main investor behind Uber, another business I'm very suspicious of. Uh, and it, it kind of signals what needs to be the end of the current way that startup culture has functioned, which is just like someone has an idea, you throw money at it as a loss leader until it's ubiquitous, and then question mark, question mark, question mark, yeah. profit. And that has worked a couple times, but it doesn't like these businesses without business models. Yeah, it's like that. I think what I are think, we doing? <laughs> we it, it's been a suspicious thing. I think from we the beginning. Get, I mean, I think we're getting to more. I mean, I remember when we were raising money. Uh, and then got some money for the outline and independent media people. I was like, you know, my plan is like our plan is to try to like figure out a way to get to profitability as soon as possible. And like we didn't, but um, people were like investors were somewhat surprised and nervous about that. They were like, well, maybe you should experiment more first. And, and it's like, yeah, maybe. But there are like much larger media businesses that have been experimenting for like a decade and they're not profitable either. And it's like, Maybe the first function of the machine should be like, does it work for consumers and can we make money off of it? It's like, because actually it's like there are things, such things as like scalable businesses. Like a normal business goes kind of like you do a thing, you try it, it works, you like see a path to profitability and then like either you keep doing that till you get there or you take some money because like you now have a plan to get there. I would say modern like VC backed businesses. Or you say like, we're going to make a social network. We're going to get a bunch of people on it. We're going to try to grow. We're going to throw $50 million at this, $100 million at this. But once we reach a ubiquity point, we'll be able to make the money back in ads. And this is the like the calculation of what each but user will be yes, worth. Yes, but I mean, but there, those are so few and far between. And there is so much money. That's what I mean. That doesn't apply to real estate. <laughs> but like the reality is like there are like, there are knowable there are knowable forms of business and um, they can be executed upon and they don't require infinite amounts of money. I mean, WeWork's thing was like, you can kind of see the the blind investing from people. It's like, 
I mean, I remember going into our because we had a WeWork for a little while and going in and thinking like this seems kind of janky. Like people put like billions and billions of dollars into this. Like I I feel like they this is like kind of bottom of the barrel, like in a lot of ways. And like the reality is like a lot of what seemed possible with WeWork was just a really good investor deck and a really convincing CEO. And there's way too many of those. I was in two WeWorks and there was times when there was no cold brew for a week and suddenly the beer was taken away and then the bathrooms weren't cleaned or it was extremely inconsistent. There would be a food market one day, it would disappear. The The only dependable thing about a WeWork for me, the only thing that I was like, this rules. Well, two things. Fruit water, great idea. Definitely put fruit in water. It is two, good. good. mailroom, which they licensed out. They had like a sub company doing it and they whoever they had doing their mailroom was on the ball and easy to use and friendly and I liked their mail system. Other yeah. than that, other than having packages delivered to their address, everything was so inconsistent. There would be times when sofas would just be ripped and then get fixed three weeks later, but they would just be ripped or like, and it was like, yeah, it made I mean, a really is, great that's sort of a That's sort deck. of a small problem in the grand scheme of things. But like the reality is I just think it's like, I just think that like- the amount of money that's being thrown at it, you can't, you, you can't re- regularly bring beer in. I mean, once you become the largest, you know, leaser of, of, of retail space in New York and you're not like even close to profitability, uh, that should be, you know, that's alarming. That's a pretty crazy. I mean, that's like that's like a housing crisis size problem, but just from coming from a different direction, you know. And I just think, like, I just think, listen, everybody I've talked to, every every CEO, every investor, everybody now is like, yeah, man, it's all about profitability. Like, gotta gotta get to profitability. Got it. You know, you hear all these people talking now. Everybody's like, oh yeah, we're profitable, or like we're near profitability, and it's like no, some people are, and that's good. Um, but like we, you can't keep running businesses where they're not real businesses. At some point, you have to say it's a real business. We can we can do this without the support of more VC money. We can do this without another investment. We can do this without a merger. Like you got to get there, you know. And it's really hard. And most people are not going to get there. And so, you know, I think it's good that we're starting to kind of separate out the. I don't know. The, but like then you've got in this entire in the infrastructure of WeWork is now essentially on like, it's on like the welfare of SoftBank. You know, which is a pr- problematic yeah. place. Well, I mean, it's also a thing of like the housing bubble was one bubble, but we're also in a bubble where like a lot of people depend on these businesses that don't have a plan towards profitability. A lot of people would be laid off if we were just closed its doors. A lot of people have switched to driving Uber as supplemental income that they depend on. It might not even be a living wage, but they depend on it. A lot of people have been employed to figure out how Lime scooters are going to work. And to throw all that money, all that capital, all those resources away on an idea like that, you're right. That's a housing like crisis level bubble. And it's either going to pop really fast or it's going to pop slow, but it's going to pop. And the idea that Silicon Valley was like going to save us all and like was going to just keep innovating and reinvent the bus so many times that it would it would all equal out on a societal level isn't like ends up doesn't work it's as bad as like trickle down economics and like we have to pump the brakes on it and i think like what's been happening in media is the early tremors of what's going to happen across a lot of tech a lot of streaming services like basically every new business that's been created in the last 20 or 30 years that purports to be of this new economy this like attention economy the sharing economy the blend of the both 
it, this is unsustainable. Like we can't have this many streaming services. We can't have with and make them all profitable. I mean, there's we too can't much. Have there's too this much of everything. I mean, like, have you looked? Have you been to a Target recently? Like we're drowning in like random yeah. fucking goods. I mean, like it's nuts. I mean, it's nuts. Well, that was the weird thing. That's always the weird thing about being in Europe is that you go to like a food, uh, like you go to a supermarket and there isn't, there's a lot of choice, but there isn't the level of like just astounding choice. Like if you want to buy ketchup in the US, there's 1500 brands and yet Heinz owns 99% of the market and there's all these, but to do that for every single area of society, like we, media has gotten the first brunt of it, but we can't have a hundred different scooter service I, sharing services and I none mean, of them the make money. Of like, you know, you want to have competition in the marketplace, but I mean, I just, I do think like one has to add, I mean, have you looked at like the deodorant options recently? Like first off, there's a store and there's a chain. Of- well, do you, are you talking about deodorant you purchase in the store? Deodorant you get from a subscription? Natural deodorant? Like it, that's all good competition. No, I mean, like it's also like-, like I mean, just I mean, we we are like a wash in like goods and services, and they are not all sustainable. Like like it just it just is like I know that it seems like they are because like things are okay right now. And I know that like VCs are putting money into things. And so it seems like everything has a chance, but the reality is that everything does not have a chance and there are going to be winners and losers. There's going to be a lot more losers than winners. And like, I get like the free market argument, but like we have, we have so much of everything. It's not like, like, you know, we don't, you know, we have, we don't Except fucking have like, resources. We don't have unlimited well, no, resources, like, but like things that people really need. It's like, yeah, there's like, you can get a lot of different, like, you can get a lot of different ketchups, but like, if you want healthcare, sorry, <laughs> like, you know, like you can watch any TV show ever created and dozens more are published every week. There's so much yeah. streaming content, but do you want to go to a class and learn how to weld? Cause that's too By expensive way, for society that, I, to manage. Like, I, I understand we're, 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 we're bordering on like a no, political yeah, discussion, wow. but I also worry because like. There are innovators where tech is helping education, but they're not offset by the amount of money and like physical resources being pulled out of the earth that end up being wasted on just someone's blue sky idea. That, yeah. Listen, I say this also as a person who loves to buy things and loves to, to get new things and loves the idea of like people making new things that are actually good or better than what has come before them. But I do think it's like you get to a point, I mean, not that this is about necessarily about WeWork. I mean, WeWork is a different set of problems, but you do get to a point where, you know, you start to say like, I mean, what was, what, what you know, the, essentially WeWork's in a really interesting problem because they were like, they were like, hey, um, all these startups need like places to work and they don't like office space is expensive and it's hard to get and it takes a long time. And if you grow really fast, you need to get, and that's like a really good, like fundamental idea, which is like, we're here to support other startups, but like you're also a startup that doesn't have its model figured out. And you're kind of in the same, weirdly in a really gigantic version of the same thing that all of those companies are experiencing, which is like, what if we need to shrink really quickly? Or what if we need to grow really quickly? Or what if our business model changes completely? Or like, you know, and it's like, you're just like, it's such an unsustainable cycle to be, you know, it's like you're building, it's like you're building, you know, skyscrapers on sand. Like you have to have something that's real somewhere down at the bottom. You know what I mean? It's like, it has to go down to something foundational, you know, like a real business underneath it. And so, I just feel like in so many ways, I mean, we're intermingling a bunch of arguments here, which is like, which is like, uh, uh, socialized healthcare and, 
and you know the you know globalized the globalized marketplace, which is you know, and and then also WeWork's like folly. But anyhow, like let's put an endpoint on the WeWork conversation. Apparently, they wanted to have John Legere, the um, the CEO of T-Mobile, who like I guess kind <laughs> of turned T-Mobile around. I mean, it's weird because I think of John Legere as a person who was just sort of like a Twitter personality, like. And like, I guess he also is actually a CEO um, who does like CEO stuff when he's not like on. He's both a yeah. CEO and a mascot. No, it's a good look. Like it's Mickey like, Mouse. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, well, I don't think Mickey Mouse was actually the CEO. Um, it's a good, it's good. But anyhow, so apparently he's not going to be. Really? He's not going to become the, I mean, dude, if somebody came to me and was like, hey, we want you to be the CEO of WeWork. Okay, I'm a little different because I'm not the CEO of T-Mobile, but. They were like, we want you to be the CEO of WeWork. It's like, um, you mean the company that is like definitely in free fall and is like probably unsavable in a, in a way? I mean, yeah, that sounds like a real bummer. Like, you know what that CEO is? You're the CEO of layoff. You're like the CEO of layoffs. You're the CEO of like cutbacks. You're the CEO of downsizing. Yeah. Like, that's not the fun part of the job. I can tell you that. I mean, this is the storyline on succession. Um. <laughs> I don't think it is the storyline in Succession. It is Holly Hunter. Anyway, no spoilers. Kind of, but not really. Well, um, do you want to talk about the Snapchat spectacles or Death Stranding? And I know what your answer is. Oh my god, let's talk about Death Stranding. I'm actually wearing a a, a jumpsuit right now, inspired by. I'm looking for the perfect jumpsuit. I'm not going to say why, but oh, let's just yeah. say I'm looking for one. Well, have you been playing Death Stranding? Because I have yet to play. I'm playing it. Death I Stranding. I started playing Death Stranding. It is both fascinating and tedious. Um, I will say this: like I think, like graphically, and just like in terms of world building, I think like Kojima has done an amazing job. Uh, and I think like all the actors in it are great. I think there's some really interesting plot ideas and plot points. I think the game is like very incoherent right now. I'm at a point where you know I'm not that far into it. I've probably played for all of five or six hours maybe eight and um a kojima game uh, yeah it's, it's like there's a lot of stuff going on where you're like okay i guess yeah i mean sure i'll go along with whatever the fuck they're talking about here but i don't really know what it means um but it's really enjoyable to a point i'm like the way i've been playing it and this is maybe true of just like my schedule i've been playing like a couple of hours a night and then i gotta like pack it up because a lot of it is like, honestly, there's kind of a tea. I love walking around doing nothing, but the game is like, it really is you're like you're walking, traversing massive distances, like trying to balance these packages on your back. It's so weird. And like, you're trying to like deliver these packages and balance them. And also like just at random moments, you'll be like assaulted by some kind of like demonic hell force that like sucks you into. So I mean, I don't even understand what the game is doing. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if I can. It's about the. It's about working for Amazon Prime. I don't now. know if you could fight. <laughs> I don't know. It's like unclear if I can fight the things that are attacking me. I certainly have had no success like hiding from them. I. It always becomes like a nightmarish situation where you're in like this black like liquid. But then also, you carry around a baby. This is the possibly the worst, most insane part of the game. You carry around a baby. No, no, but but you carry around a baby. Oh, people love this. Part. And like, if you fall or if like somebody attacks you, the baby starts crying. And like, if you're a person who's had an actual crying baby, it is like fucking terror. It is terror to hear, and it comes out of your controller, of course, because why not? Um, 
and you have to soothe the baby. But I think it's also interesting to imagine like tens of millions of like young men around the globe, like soothing a child, like having been forced into this, like definitely like a lot of gamers out there aren't like, I love babies and I can't wait to be a dad. And now millions and millions of them are like forced to like contend with a crying baby, which I think is like kind of the most um, it's it's the true but it's not even like tamagotchi even have, of like 2019 it's not but it's I, not I, like Kojima, it's not like uh it's not tamagotchi level because like you can't do that much except like stop it from crying really um well kojima said that he thought that parenting was the ultimate video game and one day he wanted to create a search a situation where you would be given all of the frustrations and responsibilities of parenting in you would grow attached to like the child or the like replacement child, whatever it is. And like, that was his, one of his like big goals. And so I think this is like an iteration on that of like getting people to explore the idea of like being overwhelmed. And then on top of that, like a baby is crying at you and you need to like care for it. But his instinct to let gamers suffer is always very interesting and always very rewarding in the end. But with the sheer amount of stuff that I have to play, I don't actively like want to choose to suffer for six hours at a clip. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot of that. It's a lot of like, I mean, listen, I don't know. It's, I mean, I don't know. There are a lot of people play the Sims and love it, you know? And that Sims is like, it's a job in a lot of ways. Right. This well, the is Sims not, this is, is really both, passive this, and, I mean, Nintendo's philosophy has always been the means justify the ends, which is like, it doesn't really matter what the game is about. If it's colorful, the art style is good, and it's the mechanics are fun to play. Like, it feels fun while you're doing it. The story can really be about anything, and that's additive and fine. Music, if the music is good, like, you'll sit and play. That's a great philosophy. Whereas Kojima's vision is usually the ends justify the means. So, like, if he has to make you rake you over the coals for 72 hours in order to get you to an emotional point where you, like, actually have this philosophical realization about the world and your experience, he'll do it. And I'm just getting to a point in my life where I can't commit that amount of time and frustration, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's I'm, I'm very interested in continuing the story. I'm playing on a relatively easy mode where I can, like, you know not have to like get good i don't really want to get good at like fighting things in the game that's not of interest to me um like but I, yeah yeah i want to explore but like right now there's like you just so want to far explore. like the things i can explore are very limited to like large areas of grass where i have to like deliver things and build things and but i think i'm early in the game it's interesting i will say there are a lot of really i think that i think that they did a really They've done something different here. I also there's also like a community aspect which I don't fully understand yet, but like I, I, it seems that other players in the game have some connection to my game. I, I can't tell how much of it is like really in the game or like like actually another person or it's part of the game, but that's maybe part of like the brilliance of it. Also, like the kind of like how Mario Kart on your iPhone pretends that other people are playing with you and it affects you, but in reality, they're like ghosts. Yeah, I know, but I think this might actually have other people as well. It's unclear. Like, I need to dig into the what the deal is with it. Also, like the payment system in the game is likes, um, like literal likes, Mm -hmm. which is like that's the money in the game. I think. Mm -hmm. Also, like it's just there's just some weird shit. It's just like I'm in a part of the game where they're like, yeah, like. We used to have AI and automated delivery, but people didn't like it. So we switched to 
we switched to human we switched back to like humans delivering things and now it's like it's like a culture of delivery and i'm like what are you talking about this but it, is i feel dumb. like with his games i always sense. think that i always think like this is a whole incoherent mess of ideas and it doesn't gel and i don't get it and blah blah, blah. and then at the game's over and a year later i look back and i go man i fucking get it now that was tight and cool like his stuff is always hard for me to parse and then at some point i like it all comes together and i have like a that's so raven moment where i'm like oh it was about loss or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah uh i mean at any rate so uh, listen i think it's death stranding it's no pt i think it's <laughs> i mean it's maybe it is though i don't know I don't know. I mean, we may never know. All right. Is there anything else to talk about? We should do a short one. It's Sunday afternoon, and we're going to do another one later this week, like a real one. And we're going to be committed to getting tomorrow back on track. Yeah, we're getting back on schedule. We're trying. We're trying. There's a lot going on right now. Believe me, you'll understand very soon. A lot of shit happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is my first podcast from my new apartment. Oh, my God. This is not, not that's exciting, but it's not really the biggest problem with our podcast not happening i mean it's part of it i was traveling you're and right. moved we, we're launching a fault. new we're launching an, an entirely new website we're changing offices yet again we uh, like we, there's a lot going on this is all technically ryan's fault well do you want to do nice things sure let's do nice things all right you go first oh you want me to go first yeah no problem yeah. um okay so well, I already t- I kind of talked about all my nice things, but uh, oh well, I will say this. I so I went to I'm looking for for coveralls, but I was I've been increasingly. I mean, I know like Jeff Ihaza wrote the story for us about how workwear is the future of fashion, like many years ago at the outline. I have to say, like I'm increasingly like filling my um, closets with like very utilitarian workwear, and like I I'm like it's not so much that I'm trying to be fashionable, but it's like there is something. And I think Death Stranding sort of depicts us. And again, I, I think this is stuff that we're going to sort of like be covering and talking about more on input. I mean, like there's this like interesting utilitarianism to that to that clothing that really is like I don't want – like I, I don't have time or patience. I mean I've for a while I've been kind of dressing in essentially a uniform. But like increasingly I might actually – I think I might actually like wear a uniform because like I, the, the time and effort it takes to like find like – to think about whatever is trending when like what you really need is something that's functional and feels good. And like at least looks, you know, reasonable on you. I don't know. Like I, I, I feel like there's something really interesting there. So I just want to say, like, you know, also like the clothing is like well made and affordable, which is a really nice thing for clothing to be. Um, the other thing is like I have to. I want to. I just want to comment on the Steel Series keyboard that I got again. I talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. I, I was. I'm not like a, into gaming keyboards at all. I'm certainly not into full size keyboards. But I have to say this: the 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 feel of the 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 attenuation on the on the on the keys here the feel of the keys and the action is really really fucking good and the fact that you can adjust it and many other things like from an actual like panel on your computer is pretty amazing and it is a joy to type on and i have kind of not been buying a lot of keyboards lately because i think i kind of hit like a peak of like i've experienced all of the keyboards there are to experience and this feels like like i really what i really wish they would do is like make a smaller version they do make a 10 keyless version of this but i wish they would make like an even more compact version of this keyboard also i need to interrogate what the keycap options are but uh i think those are my nice things it's 
funny that you bring up utilitarian clothing because two things. One, I was thinking a lot about um, utilitarian clothing because I was thinking about how there was this movement in the 2000s, which everything was as like aesthetic as possible. Like everything was very um, like uh, glossy, kind of shallow, not useful. And then we pivoted to like mad men, mid-century sort of bespoke hipster, like everything had to be authentic. We were like chasing an authenticity that had been absent in like the 90s and 2000s. And then now we're in this area where it's like things are simple. But like like a simple top, like a black turtleneck or whatever, which is fine, but like not identifiable in some sense. Like there's no movement that I've been seeing where I'm like, wow, fashion. Uh, you know, skinny jeans. Every they try every year to get us off of skinny jeans, and every year consumers are like, no, we these we look good in these, and we already have them, and fuck you, which is new for the fashion industry. They're not used to hearing that. Um, and you know, obviously Instagram has made everything micro trends as opposed to like actual trends, but. I was thinking, like, what's the next step after authenticity? Like, what's the next, like, real, like, like, what's the next, like, thing that could capture our imagination? And when I was in Amsterdam last week, everyone there dresses in 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 very utilitarian clothes. Like, we were wearing, like, you know, um, uh, overcoats that were, like, wool and very warm, but they weren't, like, there's, like, a Gore-Tex to everything that they wear. And everything they were that I was seeing was, a li- like, a little hype beast, a little soft boy, like, in the face or whatever. But mostly everything was really, like, like, uh, like Velcro or like really like plasticky or like, like, you know, like warm heat tech, whatever, like Uniqlo stuff. And everyone's shoes were really like chunky, but also very functional for the rain. And like, I get that that's a function of their climate, but it was also just like a, it felt like a whole trend movement that I hadn't seen. Um, and I kind of really liked everything was just very like art, uh, REI or very like Patagonia. And I was like, this is kind of cool because you, you buy less stuff and the stuff is like stronger and more useful for you and less about like being seen, even though that's still a little part of it with like the hype beast influence. So I don't know. I thought it was very interesting and I can definitely see that like things going there in the future. And it kind of matches up with what I've been feeling about designing my new apartment, which is like, I don't want like fake books. I don't want like fake fruit. I don't want like a candle we never light. Like I only want to buy stuff that I genuinely like the design of that I have a use for. Like I don't want to buy a dresser that I don't have anything to put in it just because I like the dresser, which is like how I grew up. I grew up in like a living room where you couldn't touch anything. Um, And I feel like there's a big movement happening towards like having less, but having it be functional and having it be stuff that you're really like. And that like is a physical manifestation of like you and your like sense of yourself and stuff, Um, which is, I know a lot of like big headed stuff for like you buying a jumpsuit, but it it is part of like a thing that I think is happening, which I think is really interesting. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting to hear you say that because me and John were spent the whole last week talking about it. I think there definitely is. uh, I mean, I mean, it's not surprising that people are moving towards, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this goes this dovetails a little bit with our like the idea of, you know, there being excessive amounts of everything. I mean, it's probably worth like saying that uh, maybe it's time to start thinking about things that actually like are built to last and um, like will not just be something you that end up in the dumpster in like a year. Like I think maybe fat, maybe a fast yeah, fashion, like no fast, fast fashion, fashion, right? If fast fashion came to an end. Like I think that might be um good because like it's not great to like just because like it's nice to be able to get something for cheap and throw it out and not worry about it it's not great to like just throw out clothes when you've decided like you want to you know 
you'd like to like revamp your wardrobe. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying I, maybe it's, maybe there's a better way to live. <laughs> Listen, I think getting new things is great, but yeah. like get the right things, which is actually like with input, not to go back to input though. Clearly we're thinking about it a lot. Um, that is sort of one of the things is like, like, it's not just like that there's stuff. It's like, there's the right stuff and the wrong stuff. And like, like you should be invested in the right stuff and not waste your fucking money or time on the wrong stuff. So anyhow, I'll go fast. Uh, my nice thing for the week uh, is I went to Amsterdam again. Obviously, um, I had the best time. I love the Netherlands. Amsterdam is such a beautiful, wonderful city. The people there are great. The food was amazing. I, I could easily live there. Um, I loved it. But my favorite thing when I went was we went to a theme park called Efteling, which if you don't know about it, is older than Disneyland um, and based entirely on original IP. So it's very like fantasies and myths of Europe. And there's some crossover with Disney because Disney obviously co-opted things like Snow White. But it is very original and it's very polished. It's in many ways, it is a true competitor to Disneyland Paris. It has triple A level rides, amazing immersion, beautiful theming, great food. It's got tons of its own quirks and ideas and secrets. And I didn't know any of this going in and I had the best time. I cannot recommend it enough. If you are at all a theme park person, if you happen to find yourself in the Netherlands or Germany or somewhere nearby, um, it's, it is worth a day. It, I had a delightful time. The rides were wonderful uh, because it was the low season. Some stuff was closed, but there was no wait on any lines. Um, the food was spectacular. And as a Disney fan, I've always, I'm always looking for a way to enjoy theme parks and amusement parks, which I love, um, especially ones with really heavy theming. I love that. Um, I'm always looking for a way to do it without supporting necessarily the Disney media monopoly. And Universal is basically just like, you know, the Coke Zero version of Disney. It's great and it's got its own benefits. I love Universal. But um, they're both massive corporations and you feel kind of shitty throwing your money at them. And and especially Disney has depended entirely on their IP in the last few years to make rides. There's a real lack of original storytelling, original characters, or unique experiences just to the parks. Everything has to be based on Harry Potter or Star Wars or Avatar or The Simpsons. And to go to a place where the rides told original stories with AAA-level theming and technology, um, completely new characters, things that – I mean, they were in Dutch, I, but I understood the story. Um, it was so overwhelming, and I had such a good time. And – I cannot recommend it enough. Um, definitely check it out. They've got like shows, they've got rides, they've got everything. And I had a really good time. I, I enjoyed Amsterdam all around and I could talk for an hour about it, but I won't. Um, but that was my big highlight. So that's my nice thing. Wow. Wow. I want to go. That sounds great. It's awesome. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Well, speaking of well, going. Let's get out of here. I'm going to go start. I'll start drinking. Yeah. Let's get out of here. All right. Well, listen, we'll be back later in the week, obviously. And uh, we're going to, again, to Tony, we apologize. And we're going to, we promise, we promise, baby, this time it's going to be different. Bye. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back later in the week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best, though I've just been informed that there's a new addition to your family. 
but it's strapped to your chest and it won't stop crying when you fall over. <laughs> 